guys, KO here. Welcome to To Make and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. I'm so excited to for today's conversation. We are welcoming Brooke Gowdy to the TNT mic. She's an absolute rock star. She's the co-leader of Black Girls Do Bike of Denver. She's a high school mountain bike coach at Boulder High School, is an ambassador for VIDA Vida, and co-leads an impact committee that works to eliminate barriers to make mountain biking more inclusive, equitable, and diverse. We talk about creating safe spaces today, microaggressions, and all things uh, diversity and equality, specifically in the outdoor and mountain biking arena. It's a really awesome conversation. Brooke is an absolute bright light and bundle of energy. Please check out all that she has going on and the sponsors and partners that are supporting her cause, because as you know, the dollar plays into this game of bringing things into the mainstream. Brooke, congratulate on all your success thus far, and we appreciate all the work you are doing to make this world a better place. Be sure to check us, check out all the videos on YouTube and download us wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am pumped today. Um, We've got someone in Colorado and this was a connect of a connect. If you listen to Turmeric and Tequila, you know these are my favorite. So I have to say a special thank you to Becca and Allison, my longtime CrossFit family, for introducing me to the one and only Brooke Gowdy. Brooke, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the invite. I'm super excited to dive in. Yes, we've got a lot in common. I'm going to do a quick intro. And then um, as uh, you guys know, the audience, uh, I'm going to let Brooke like explain her story from her point of view. But without further ado, Brooke is a co-leader of Black Girls Do Bike Denver. And she's a high school mountain bike coach uh, at Boulder High School. She's an ambassador ambassador for VIDA. She co-leads an impact committee that works to eliminate barriers to make mountain biking more inclusive, equitable, and diverse. She recently joined the Boulder Mountain Bike Alliance to establish BIPOC bike riders, which she helps lead. I am, so I'm a Colorado native. I should be way better at the outdoors uh, than I am, but ironically, I'm not even a bike rider. So I'm going to probably botch some of these terms, but Brooke is an outdoor pro. Brooke, give us, let's start from the beginning. How, um, how did we get involved into this outdoor world or tell us about young Brooke, how we got into all this? I mean, I've been riding bikes since I was little. <laughs> not there you even, go. Not, I, I grew up in Alabama. Um, so um, I wasn't necessarily riding bikes like people in, like folks in Colorado ride bikes, but <laughs> definitely used to like ride my bike all around the neighborhood. Um, I loved being outdoors from the time I was a kid and coming out to Colorado was a dream come true because um, there are a lot of people out here who really value getting outside in so many different ways. So I'm just a person who likes to get out there in all those different types of ways. Colorado is the place to be. I had, so I'm uh, born and raised Colorado. Went out used to play lacrosse because there was really nothing competitive back in the day. And um, one of my best friends ended up moving out here from my college team, George Mason. Shout out! And I always say her and her now husband, they just got married, are better Coloradans than myself because they do the beer, they do the flannels, the micro brews, got a dog, go biking, camping, like all the outdoor things. And I'm kind of like more of the gym rat, <laughs> even though I'm even though I'm native to Colorado. So I applaud all you 
you guys that came in and represent for all us Coloradans that should be doing it more. <laughs> um, but what was, so when you came out here, what was your first experience around the outdoors? Like, how did you get into the depths of uh, outdoor everything? Um, you know, when I first came out here, I was um, hoping to be a professional violinist and um, okay, and start an art career. I was doing both, so that's those were my majors in college. Um, I came by Boston. I was Boston College, and then came out here. Um, okay, and I so. I was really excited to be out here, um, but I was really intimidated by the adventure sports out here. And, um, you know, someone found an abandoned snowboard in their apartment and I was waiting, serving tables. And they were like, hey, I know you don't snowboard, but I think you could fix this thing up and like come out with me. And that's exactly what I did. And it was just like that little taste that I was like, oh my gosh, I want more. And so, um, yeah, ever since then, I've just like really been a person who likes to experience all of the adventure sports. Good for you. Cause it's, those are really intimate and snowboarding is really hard. I did grow up skiing and then I eventually switched over to snowboarding and then went back skiing and blah, blah, blah. But I was fortunate. I grew up around the mountains. So, um, you know, it, it, it was natural to me, but it is a really hard space to break into. Number one, the equipment is super expensive. You're like, if you can fight, but then you need like the hat and gloves, you need to buy a ski pass. Like it's a whole situation uh, to get into. I feel like biking's kind of like the same thing. Maybe that's why I haven't got in. Cause it's another like 5k <laughs> to like get into the freaking sport. Um, but how are, have you always been like a super open-minded, like kiddo to just like kind of jump into the mix of things? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've just, um, my parents told me from the beginning, they're not surprised that, um, for me that biking has taken off so much because (laughs) I've always been their daughter who's just jumped right in and, um, who just loves to just take on a fear and learn how to be courageous, um, and learn how to navigate a new world. So that's that's been my experience. I I mean, even with bikepacking, going from mountain biking um, to gravel biking to bikepacking, I was like, this is insane. Bikepacking? like I never even heard of that. Is that where you obviously pack a backpack and then go biking? Uh, Yeah, well... There's many ways to do it. I mean, one way is that you um, put everything on your bike. Um, so, you know, everything you're going to be needing to sleep with, okay. cook, all of that on your bike, and then you go out for several days. And oh. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was insane to hear about that. I was really excited about that. I actually ended up this year, I, um, I don't know if you know, like I rode my bike from Canada to Mexico. I saw so, that. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I really had to load everything on there. <laughs> yeah. We, I, well, so before we even get to that, I really want to talk about this journey into it. And yeah. here's the thing. Colorado is not the most diverse place in the world. We're still pretty like Midwest. Um, we are good at the outdoors. Um, and I happen to play. So I grew up with three younger brothers. So my narrative growing up was very like, do the girls get to play? What about the girls? Like, do I get, you know, is a representation around that for me? So very narrow minded, myopic situation as a young human. And then as I went to play lacrosse, super, it's traditionally well off kids that are white. So like private school type situations. I was lucky my public school had it. So when I started my lacrosse company, I was very intentional that this thing had provided so much for my life, community opportunity to travel the world. 
And I loved it so much. Lacrosse, I wanted to make it available to everyone. So I didn't have this super conscious conversation about um, diversifying the sport, but that's really what I was trying to do because it just had provided so much for my world. Fast forward, I get into CrossFit and here we are again, wealthy white people, not the most diverse situation. Probably the two sports that are like some of the least uh, represent um, the least amount of diversity out there. However, it cultivated this community. So with the podcast, I'm like, we got to start bringing out humans that are shaking up the game, my varsity humans, um, that are intentional about uh, providing that opportunity and shaking up what everything looks like, particularly spaces where there is such a minimal amount of diversity because representation is so critical. So I really champion my humans that are stepping into uh, an arena where there is little to no representation of people that they look like at all. I know as a female, I've walked into many rooms where I'm the only female there, particularly in the entrepreneurial space. Um, And so now that we've brought in the conversation and we are very late to it, but around race or sexual orientation or socioeconomic status, it's really, really important. So I'm super curious as how you got into biking, you thrived, and now you're intentionally working um, to facilitate and further the conversation around representation, specifically in biking. Can you tell us about how that kind of started and why it was such a passion point for you? Right. I mean, I think it started at like my lowest point when I was looking around and I saw that there was no one out there that looked like me. Um, And there's been some conversation, I think, about that. Um, You know, people who have the opportunity to see lots of people that look like them don't understand this conversation about what representation means. And I am all about getting people to understand that and shouting it from the rooftop and saying, it does matter. It does matter that females see other females, um, in certain professions and um, in all the professions, quite honestly, and so that they can see themselves um, as little girls, they can see themselves um, become a part of that. And for me, going into the adventure sport world of Colorado, I didn't, not just Colorado, I'm sorry, across the entire nation, I didn't see very many people that look like me. And I thought that's got to have, and I know it it has had for me, as I talk about my personal experiences, a dramatic effect on not seeing anyone that looks like you. When you walk into your school, not seeing any professionals that look like you. Um, When you walk into a meeting, right? I think you talked about walking into spaces where you are the only female and nobody looks like you. And so you wonder, am I supposed to be here? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the answer is like, hell yeah, you're supposed to be there. But there weren't very many people um, like helping me to understand that. Um, and I didn't feel that way. And so I had to think about whether whether I was supposed to be there or not. And, and right during their time, there are a lot of folks uh, coming out in the cycling world talking about how they have had the same feelings as me. <laughs> um, yeah. And I didn't feel so alone. And then yeah. I started seeing um, the response to that. And I started seeing representation. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is making me feel better. But like, isn't it also amazing that young folks, young girls who look like me are going to start seeing this yeah. too, that they're going to be like, I'm a shredder. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'm a little shredder that can be an adult shredder. Like yeah. I can shred the mountains. I can on, on a board, on a bike. Um, I 
I think that it is so important that, and, and that's why representation is so important. And I am in this world and I have platforms and I believe that it's my moral and ethical duty to make sure that I am supporting representation in this sport and uplifting the voices of women, women that look like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and um, just a diverse group of folks um, who are welcome in this space, damn long, damn well belong in this space. Um, and like, I'm going to do everything I can to just like get that message out. I love that. I mean, so the, the thing is we, I've had a couple conversations or many conversations at this point on turmeric and tequila and intentionally started this podcast, uh, as I said, to highlight my varsity humans that are questioning a better way and really doing it because so much of what, you know, our kiddos are consuming are off their phones and it's a reality we didn't necessarily grow up with and now everything's on there. So I think it's so important. And in a sense, I've, I felt the same way you did as a branding and marketing professional. I felt a sense of responsibility to exercise the platform and bring out people that uh, are intentional about being quote unquote influencer and some that aren't, but the way they're living is, is a notable way. So our kiddos had all these additional examples. What really inspired you to not only recognize the platform and the reach that you had, but really take that responsibility to further the message? Like, was that just an internal calling or, cause not everybody feels that it's not my duty. It's not my responsibility because I'm, I think the position you put yourself in to use that, it's work, it's hard. And I'm so grateful as a white person that people want to step in and be like, yes, I will explain this to you or I'll teach you or I'll show you or I'll represent for my community. That's not everybody's responsibility. What what really made you want to step into those shoes? Well, I think introducing the joy of cycling, every time I introduce the joy of cycling to someone, um, I that <laughs> makes it... Like yeah. it's a whole nother level. It yeah. is as if I um, just jumped over the biggest rock um, or just did the gnarliest trail. Is that same feeling that I get when I'm out there and I'm pushing myself every day and I'm working really hard to get better at the sports that I love is the same feeling I get when I take somebody who's never done this before, mm-hmm. never thought they could do it. And I break down barriers for them. So, and then, and then, you know, they're breaking down barriers for themselves, you know, yeah. all, all of the self-talk, all of those <laughs> things inside that they got to like break down. And when I'm seeing that happen, when I'm seeing that at clinics, when I'm seeing that, when I just take a friend out for a ride for the first time, I mean, oh my yeah. God, it's yes. like, just even thinking about it, like, I feel like I'm reliving that joy right now. Um, the enthusiasm that you see from me right now is the same enthusiasm that I have um, when I'm able to uh, bring this joy to other folks. And so it it isn't, I don't see it as a struggle or something hard for me. I feel like that's the thing out of all this work, out of doing these sports that is the greatest joy for me. I love it so much. And I, I, I coached for 10 years out of college, uh, women's lacrosse and seeing that and, and really understanding life skills through sports, how, how you just said, like you learn commitment, teamwork, um, so much uh, outside of just the activity that you're doing right there that, 
that binds us. And what I love even more, it provides this filter to bring people that maybe aren't alike at all, but they have that one common ground of biking or lacrosse or whatever that it can bring you together. And from there, you can learn the activity, but furthermore, you can build relationships. You can facilitate larger conversations. Like it's such a beautiful common ground to enter in at and understand that we could look completely different or be believe different things, whatever, but we have biking in common. And through that, we can find other commonalities. Like to me, this sounds so cliche, but like that simple bonding point is really where we change the world and we can get us to communicate and understand from that common denominator. Yeah. I mean, you talk about how this all translates from um, being in a sport. And for me, it's about being on the trail and then getting off of the trail. And I think about, you know, I'm someone who's come from trauma, who's experienced trauma. And I think about how the trail has healed me, how participating in sports that are that really pushed my body, pushed my limit and forced me to dig deep. (laughs) The other day I was riding and I actually said that to myself out loud and I was like, oh my God. But I was like, dig deep, do it. Um, And I think there are times in life um, that each and every one of us have said to ourselves, dig deep. You can do this. You can get through this today. You can get through this month. You can get through this diagnosis. You can get through this divorce. Like, dig deep, girl. You've got this in you. And um, I think that's how what happens on the trail translates for me off the trail and for so many other people. And um, why wouldn't you want to give that to somebody? What, no matter what it is, you know, I just think sports is a great avenue for that. Um, just really teaching you in that second, in that one ride, stuff that you're going to like get off that trail and use for the rest of your life. Absolutely. What I love about biking too, is you can do it as an adult. Like I, I can kind of still play lacrosse, but not really, um, CrossFit still in my life. And Hence, I ran into Becca and Allison and, and we were talking about you and um, they brought it, those two things I always say have brought like my favorite humans in my world, my longtime friends, just because we had so many bonding hours and you see in athletics, like you see the good, bad and ugly, like you see someone tired and hungry or fell down and scraped their knee and you get all the sides. Um, but through that, you kind of build like your sister or brotherhood or your family because you have those bonding moments of really rawness where you can connect and, and kind of be yourself and they can accept you like, cause they in it, they're in it and they, they, they get it and they're with you. So as you said, like you're on the trail and the thick of it, and then you get off the trail and it's like, Oh, we're kind of bonded. Like, this is pretty cool. Yes. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, you meet people, you meet folks at clinics. Um, you know, I, I was an assistant coach at that clinic and you meet folks and you, you bond with them in a way that is so amazing. You get really excited for them when they learn something new or when something really clicks and that's a bonding and a meeting of the soul and mind. And, um, and it's really special relationships I mean, in Colorado, I've met people through the sports that I do that I don't think I ever would have um, thought to make a connection with. And I think right now, that's really, really important. I think it's really important that we are going outside of our bubble and um, that we're really connecting with all different types of people. I think it helps to uh, support just a better understanding of where folks are, where they come from and where they're trying to be. And I think there's been a lack of that. 
for a really, really long time. And I, I, it's always been under the surface, but more and more I'm starting to see it bubble to the surface. Yeah. And I just keep trying to think about what is it, what is it that we can do so that people have a greater understanding of each other and that they're cheering for each other. Yeah. I, I love, I'm, I'm every once in a while I see it, I see it on social media where folks are posting an idea and uh, this idea is, I'm not competing against you. I'm rooting for you. And um, I'm really excited to see a lot more of that because I think that's exactly what we need is for us to all be rooting for each other. But in order for us to do that, we can't just stay in our bubble and only have an understanding of the world through our own eyes. Yeah, it's really, it's, I think now is the time to really get uncomfortable. And I think you hear some of these kind of like cliche comments, but it's really the truth. And I don't, I don't know if you're spiritual or religious or whatever, but I, on the show, I always say God, universe, Madonna, whatever you believe you, when you really kind of pull back and look at situations, I think, um, we can see that we're all right on time. You see this uprising of political unrest. We have all of this conversation about race, thank goodness. And it's, we're really in like an evolving transitional space, I feel. And it takes, um, opportunity and people like yourself or myself that are willing to kind of get out there, highlight conversation. But and it's not really about calling out the bad. It's about, like you just said, highlighting the good and being open to these uncomfortable moments so we can get to that next level and, find that space of common ground. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not banking on our government to do that. I'm not banking on anyone. I think it's upon us our, and our person, those little moments in life where you can open the door, have an opportunity to have a bigger conversation. And I, I mean it when I say, when I hear that you're not only taking your platform and, and being intentional with it, but in the high school around our kiddos, like facilitating these conversations and then being this example for our young people, I think is unbelievable. And and the soul fuel, it sounds like that it gives to you and you get to see some of that evolution happen in front of your eyes. Um, as our kiddos, I think those moments, and tell me if this resonates with you, it's hard to keep faith some days, but those moments I think are the points where I can be like, okay, maybe change can actually happen. Absolutely. I think as being a mountain biking coach, a mountain biking coach for Boulder High School, and and um, I've referenced this several th- times to folks about how interesting it is that I am a person who is incredibly honored to be a champion for diversity, equity, and inclusion in outdoor sports, and that... I'm a coach for about a team that has about 150 kids on it. And I would say all of them, nearly all of them, um, you know, there might be most of them, majority of them are all white uh, on such a large team. Um, it, it doesn't even, it's more white than even our demographics at, um, Boulder high school or Boulder, um, than that. Um, So, and I think about why am I there? Why am I there and I'm not somewhere else? And um, I love being there and I don't want to leave there. Yeah. And I think one of the most incredible things about me being there is that, uh, you know, I coach white males. Um, So I, I, last year I coached um, about 10 white males, juniors and sophomores. And I thought, what an incredible experience. Um, Just like us connecting right now, like uh, as women, uh, think about this. Like one thing that you could identify 
like think about what it would be like to coach as a woman coaching all mills team to have them see you respect you be led by you be coached by you be impressed by you um like their minds taking yeah it's it's taking all of that in at a young age is taking all of that in and the men that they will become because of that the men who will then grow up and respect a woman as a coach, as a leader, as someone who has something to give. Um, I think that's amazing. And then like, let's take it a step further, like a black woman. So like being not only a woman, but uh, being a black woman and coming to these young boys and then seeing that um, when they go out um on the trail and they are like hanging out with their friends because these are the people who are going to dominate these, this sport um, when they become men, um, right. when they become older, when they go off to college. And for them, this won't be strange ideas. It won't be strange idea to see a woman out there um, on the trail. It won't be a strange idea that a black woman mountain bikes. Uh, it won't be a strange idea to them that like there is a push for more women and more women of color to be out there. And it'll be just so normal to them. And so I am just so grateful for my opportunity to be a coach at um, Boulder High School. Amen. I think that ripple effect is maybe in our lifetime, we won't fully even see that, but changing that reality early on, I just, I can't agree with you more. It's, I mean, it's so magical and it's so powerful and how amazing that it's like, it's like, you're right on time. Like you're right here right now. Opportunity presents itself and here it is. Like, it, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy how, I mean, I think you're an intentional human like myself or, you know, we'll work harder, we'll study, or we'll do more, but it's like, sometimes you just have to show up and recognize when, you know, universe opportunity presents itself and it's, it, and you're right there. Yes. It's crazy. And, uh, yeah. And I'm really excited that there is, um, this big voice right now and voices are being uplifted and there is, um, a reckoning happening. (laughs) Um, and I'm excited to, uh, be a part of it. Um, it's not all rainbows and roses, you know, it's, it's hard work and, um, some people can be hurtful. Um, Mm -hmm. some people who don't want change and want, this world to stay as it is because they are the ones who are benefiting and profiting from that. Um, you know, it's really hard for them (laughs) and and they are fighting against it. And there are some people who just don't understand and to be a educator, uh, the one who keeps having to go back, um, and help people understand that's hard work too. And so, you know, uh, I, 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 I like talking about the joy of it because most of it for me is the joy, but I do want to say like, this is hard work. Yeah. And I, I, that's, I kind of want started the conversation. I really do want to recognize that and repeatedly. So because showing up and being that educator, it's really not your job. It's not something you have to do. It's something you choose to do and to stay in it, um, in a space that I'll never truly understand or never really walk in as a white female, um, 
but to see that and have these conversations, I consider it such a privilege because I know it's such a, a moving and educational point for myself. And I think it's uh, an opportunity for me to highlight this conversation. So maybe it does open up the doors for other people um, that look like me that don't fully get or don't know how to approach these conversations and recognize people like yourself and like, God dang, this is a lot of work. Like you're constantly having to have a conversation or educate again or redo. I mean, it's just, it's not an easy space to exist in. So I want to continue continually acknowledge um, your work in it and let you know, from my perspective, it is so deeply appreciated and it's not falling on deaf ears because I, I think that people like yourself are the ones facilitating any change that will come. And without it, I don't know where we'd be. So it's it's deeply important that I think that it's recognized and continue to recognize. On that note, I really want to talk about, to get into um, something like biking, like lacrosse, my two sports, CrossFit and lacrosse, they're pretty expensive to get into and it's hard to afford equipment, find fields, do all this. Is there something that, and biking, <laughs> This I, can, I think I said, one reason I haven't got it is because it's a great, now I need like a bike on top of my car that's actually worth more than my car. <laughs> so how, I, how is... Um, the community of color, I will say, are you guys per putting together or is there intention around like funding some of these programs for younger kids or, um, or hopefully all people, I should say, are, it, it, are there like nonprofits or something like lacrosse? We've got, um, different things where we're funding equipment to get to kids that maybe don't have it. So we can start the opportunity lacrosse. Is that happening in biking? Um, I just think as a whole. So I think that white folks, Brown folks, black folks are all struggling to um, buy bikes, especially okay. mountain bikes. Uh, the components of mountain biking, the engineering of mountain bikes, to make it really, really expensive, and makes yeah. it an expensive. The bike is one of the most expensive things, and I think that we all in the mountain biking community are really just trying to find ways to um, support youth getting into it and giving them those opportunities, no matter what their color is, and supporting them um, with um, like buying bikes. There's so many programs out there. I would say specifically for our marginalized communities that we know that. Um, Finance has always been a barrier um, to entry point into these sports um, that we're working even harder with those communities to make sure that um, finance isn't a barrier. And when I say we, I just mean organizations in the mountain biking community. Lucky to Ride is one organization that's great. Um, I know Specialized Outride um, is another organization. And so okay. I think it's pretty clear that we have an understanding that this sport is an expensive sport and we want people to enjoy it. And so um, we are like creating opportunities uh, for that to happen. I think for me, one of the greatest barriers uh, that I'm working on beyond just financing the sport is just creating safe spaces for people of color. I mean, yeah. who cares if you get the bike, you can afford the bike. I mean, for me, I got the bike. I could afford the bike. I got another bike that was nice. And I sold the old bike. And no matter how nice my bike gets, no matter how much money I spent on the bike, no matter how much as an adult, I begin to work to be able to pay for all of the things it doesn't matter if it's not safe for me to be out there and ride. And when I say safe, I want everybody to understand what I mean. Safety isn't about, I mean, there's gnarly trails. There's a lot of unsafe shit about mountain biking. But one of the most unsafe things for a person of color is all of the microaggressions. Um, all of the folks out there who are, who 
make an effort to make you feel like you don't belong. Um, and so I am for creating spaces for folks um, to let them know that they do belong. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had experiences where uh, just people have said things that have been quite unfortunate and been really hurtful. And um, I know that's not their intention, but that was certainly their impact. Um, and as with many microaggressions, it's not the intention, but certainly is an in, a hurtful impact. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just want to make sure that like, you know, there's small things like when I, when you go to a clinic and um you know, you're watching all the participants put on their helmets and then you're watching um, uh, maybe a black woman with a protected hairstyle, right? Whether she's got her box braids or her dreads and every other white woman is being addressed. Like, this is how your helmet should fit, blah, blah, blah. And like, no one's paying attention to the fact because that white woman leading the clinic has no idea, right? She's not like, she can't see through the lens of the of a woman of color who's got one of these protective hairstyles, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes uncomfortable maybe for her, or for him. Um, that's so when I'm talking about safe spaces, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Spaces where like you feel like you belong, that yes. there is somebody there who um, knows how to support you, um, knows how to um who you feel like you're comfortable to go talk to if something was said that hit you wrong, um, someone that you can laugh laugh with, and then sometimes it's just nice to have someone who looks like you. Yeah, <laughs> like I, it's there's something reassuring no matter who you are. Um, you know, I get really excited when I'm on the trail and I see another woman. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really really excited when I'm on the trail and I see another black person. I'm like give them the wink and a black woman. Oh man. I'm just about jumping off my bike to go <laughs> run and get a hug. Um, United. Yes. So I think we all understand that idea. Um, there's no reason to fight over that idea that there's some comfort and being in circles that look like you, there's some safety in it. Um, sure. And that there's a shared experience um, and conversations that happen in those circles that really help support each other um, on and off the trail. Absolutely. Well, and I, I really want to talk about that because the microaggressions, because I think a lot of it isn't intentional, but it's, it's an awareness um, uh on the aggressor side of, you know, that we, I mean, I, every, even starting this podcast, I'm like, God, I know I'm going to say the wrong thing unintentionally. So it's going to happen. But I, to me, it is worse than saying nothing. Um, is there a, a way as a leader and as a um, person utilizing their platform intentionally so that outside of having intentional conversations that you can, um, mitigate those microaggressions or like how can we facilitate change in that capacity is it like educating the leaders of those groups or educating the educators so there's a ripple effect or from your perspective what is what is a good way to begin to to really address those situations oh yeah i've got an answer for you invite everyone to the table yeah (laughs) like it and make sure everyone's at the table. And if there's too many people like you at the table, step back and let someone else step in um, so that that table looks diverse. Uh, uh, too many times I've gone into rooms where everybody looks the same. And so they're making decisions uh, for a world that doesn't look like the table. And and oftentimes those decisions are like... Um, are, are, are wrong. And, and sometimes they're right. 
but sometimes they need to be validated by the community, um, the diverse community. And so I think that it's also a learning experience. It's, it's scary to sit at a diverse table. It's scary when you sit at a table where everybody doesn't look like you, um, because like you said, you get scared. You're going to say the wrong thing, Mm -hmm. but it's so brave and it's a, it's a growth mindset when you sit at a table where everybody doesn't look like you and you're brave and you use your words and you talk and you get called out by somebody. Cause that's the only way it's going to work is someone calls you out or calls you in and says, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. Or wait a minute. Like they, they get curious with you. Oh, why, why did you say that? How, what does that even mean? And you start to, you're like, Ooh, whoa. Yeah. I, I said something weird there and I didn't even know what I meant by that or I did. Um, and oftentimes these types of things turn into, um, very defensive conversations, um, where I'm trying to, and this happens to me too. Um, in this work, one of the most difficult things for me has been to get curious with myself and to understand why I said or did something and understand this perspective of the person who's calling me out or calling me in. Um, and I think we, if we're always hanging around, always, um, sitting at tables where people just look like us, it's very rarely that we get the opportunity to be called out. It's very rarely that we get the opportunity to be for someone to say what you just said sounded a little weird. Let's yeah. think of this. Yeah. So I think being being diverse, um, not being diverse, um, having a diverse circle around you and not being afraid to um, be courageous and to be curious about yourself and um, allow someone to um feel open enough to be able to, you you know, there are some people who just, for me, I, you know, my close friend, um, there are some people who are just open enough to, and you know it, that they are going to be willing for you to call them out. And they are so excited to learn and to not go back and make the same mistakes over and over again. Yes. Or to, and, and, or to just reexamine like, once you reexamine one idea, it has you reexamining a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the truth. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, we are there in that mode. It's, um, you know, you grow up a certain way. And I think people do grow up with a lot of people that are exactly like them, particularly like in the Midwest. Um, you're just not exposed to a lot. And I, I, I love my cities because you just, we were asking your intention, there's just more humans around you and things are diversified just kind of on their own. Um, but I, I I love what you said about being kind of willing to like get uncomfortable on on both sides and knowing that growth is going to happen. And this is why I love sports so much because you're already there for a common denominator. You get it and there can be no conversation about representation or race or politics or anything. It's just straight about the sport, but it facilitates that safe space of okay, we've got this in common. Now, if we can get to work to that next level of this and then understand each other and then have a conversation about something that's potentially like-minded or offensive or whatever, um, it can open up those doors because you have that common denominator and you can kind of learn those life skills through sports. Like you fall down in sports, you get back up, you say the wrong thing, you learn, you do better the next time. And it's kind of like this really good opener for maybe the people that aren't open-minded at all to be like, now they're a little more, a little bit more, a little bit more into where now they're actually kind of open-minded because just because of biking and because of something else. So it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. And like I said, man, I just feel like it's right on time for where we are in this world. Yes, I agree. I, 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 um, 
I'm really excited for us to keep inviting people to the table um, and making sure that the table represents our community. And I'm really excited about the decisions that come out of that and uh, how the world is going to change. I know yeah. it only can change for the better. I'm I'm so with you. It's it's great. I think it needs to happen on um you know a micro level in our communities and coaching and everything like that. And then on the macro level, even I thought it was a phenomenal example of um, Serena's husband Alexis Ohani stepping down from his position at Reddit, uh, knowing that he has a daughter of color and and literally being that example of diversifying the table um, at Reddit in these corporate organizations. I'm so, I was so excited to see um, the love and support you're getting from some of these big corporate giants in these companies and. I, as a marketing branding professional, I always kind of question, I'm like, is it because it's trendy now or they're doing it authentically? But bottom line is it doesn't matter because it's it's pre- providing that representation in some capacity. It's sometimes I can't change companies where their heart spaces are really at, but if it's providing a spotlight um, to facilitate to facilitate that change, I think it's huge because money really does control a lot of what we see and consume. So um, tell me a little bit about your experience now with these partnerships and someone's exposure. I, I, I'm blown away that it's happened. It's amazing. Um, how, how has it been on your end of things? Are you, are you enjoying that side of it? Yeah, I think um, it's really been about calling in lots of larger companies that have the resource and being like, give me some of your dollars um, because I am helping to fulfill uh, many of their missions. Many of these companies have made it a mission to support diversity, equity, and inclusion in cycling. And um, I am grateful that I have opportunities to help be able to support them fulfill that. Um, that we build relationships, relationships in which I can help them with the fulfillment of that, and they in return can help me with the resources to be able to do that. And I get really, really excited about using their dollars to be able to to support uh, my community and support women and to support women of color. And um, I get really excited also about being able to advocate in a different way. First, it was as a consumer and now as an ambassador or sometimes as an athlete for a company, I get to um, bring my chair a little closer to the table and I get to use my words to really uh, make a difference and be influential and to um, change focus and thought and challenge direction. And so I've tried to be that with all of the companies that I work with. Um, Many of them get it and they're trying to get the rest of everyone else to get it. And, um, and some of them, you know, yeah, they need to be called out. (laughs) Certainly. And, And I am, you know, that's part of me that has to be as courageous and brave as everyone else out there. I mean, it's not just my responsibility to call these companies out, but for all of us, all of us in the biking community, call these companies out and call them into this work. And, um, you know, all the companies I work with, they don't always get it and they don't always um, make the mark. Uh, But I get really excited about being able to be a voice in the room and I get really excited about them uplifting my voice and using their platform to do that as a start. But we're just only at the beginning. Okay. We got so much more work to do. Yes. Well, what's so cool is I, I think it's, 
you know, in companies, this we're seeing the shift like in um, the economic and like business space. It's when they've done something forever and it's always worked. They've always worked with that marketing company. They've always worked with, you know, this sort of promotional team and it's always that. And now the consumer, our young humans are questioning a better way. They're consuming, they know how to look it up who's behind um, the company, how they're doing it. Is that, is that company, is there diversity there or do they recycle there? I mean, there's the consumer is so much more conscious that if the company gets it or not, they have to, because they're going to lose the dollar. So it's so exciting from my perspective to see some of this happen because now you're not only an athlete or an ambassador, you're consulting, you're coming in saying, this is how it needs to be done. This is what it is. And this, and, and that's what we need. I don't need uh, you know, a white man or white woman Googling how to diversify. You need people of color that have actually walked in those shoes, changing it and, and infiltrating uh, their voice point of view to the marketing, to the message, because that's the next level of the platform. And now we're getting to mainstream America or the world and they can digest this uh, opportunity of diversity on a different level. So it's, it's really, really powerful opportunities. Absolutely. I would say, you know, I am not, this is not my area of expertise this is my life yes my my life being a black woman and i can talk about that and what it's like for me what what does mountain biking what does outdoors this outdoor space look like from my lens no nobody has a right to tell me that's not true i mean obviously my experience is my experience and that goes for everybody um but i do i would say this for companies or anyone out there listening who you have an interest in um, learning, you've been called into the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you feel that is direction that you need to go, your company needs to go, we all should be going, you want to be an ally, you want to be an advocate, um, pay folks of color to support you doing that. Um, it's, it's, it's so important. And I think that one way that we show value here in the United States is like through monetary value. Um, and so I think it's just really, really important that when we are calling people in to ask them about areas this is just another area of expertise i love that you use the word consult because it is consulting and i feel like um black folks and people of color are often called into a room and they are shown no value for what they're bringing to the table and many of the time these are experts um and so i do like just want to use the platforms that i have to say that when experts do show up at your table um that's valuable that this is, it's, it's like you, like you've said before, the consumer is, um, is taking things into their own hands. And one thing that they want to see is that your company is um, devoted to this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you're not, and if you're not, they're just going to go to the next place. And so that's values, that's dollars for you. Pay folks who you consult with uh, for that work. Yes. Um, do you, so, and, and I actually just did a cast around self-worth and then putting a price tag on it because any person, a business entrepreneur, consultant, anyone, it's really hard to put a dollar amount and understand your own worth before you even go to charge other people. Has that been a process for you of being able to charge as a consultant, as an athlete, knowing exactly, um, your value amount and what to ask? I, um, when, 
you know, I am in the business less of consulting and more of like giving my opinions or being like, or calling people out when they need to be called out. Um, So I'm more in the business of, like I said, over and over again, really introducing the joy of mountain biking to folks of color. And so when I take my dollars, my dollars are really around um, how do I get more bikes? How do I get spaces to hold clinics? How do I, and, and, and people show up for that, yes. So my dollars that come to me, um, I feel like people are showing up for, and the people who work with me are showing up with dollars. And um, I don't want them to hear this and think that they don't need to show more dollars. I'm always willing to accept yeah. more dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, even if you're not a consultant, even as I, I mean, I talk about this with consulting with um, influencers or brand ambassadors around anything you got to know you're leveraging your platform. You're leveraging your yard. And so if you're putting a yard, a sign in your yard, that's taking up space opportunity for something else to be there. So you should be compensated accordingly. So that price point, regardless of the conversation, it's, it's kind of hard to get there and know how to ask for dollars for you. It's, it's just a weird thing. It's something I've struggled with in the early stages of entrepreneurship. But then as you understand all the work you're doing and you're like, holy shit, this is a lot actually. And I, I'm an ambassador and I'm a consultant. I need to charge for both. Because in turn, that facilitates further opportunity for me to cultivate these opportunities for kiddos to ride bikes or play lacrosse or whatever. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a hard space to get into. So I hope these companies are compensating you accordingly because I think you're doing a, a very lot for them. <laughs> oh, thank you. And um, my mentor, Britt Greer, um, once told me like, um, be, be, be a raspberry. <laughs> I mean... Out of all of the fruit in the grocery store, I feel like raspberries are the most expensive ones. They are. are. And you got to eat them quick. You got to eat them quick, right? They only last for like a day or two. Um, They are, I'm just shocked when I go into a grocery store and see how much raspberries are. And and, and you know, that the fact that they only last for two days and they've really got the audacity to ask this much for raspberry and, um, you know, I, I, I love it that she tells me to be a raspberry, that she sees me as being worth that. To, to, to yeah. <laughs> a little box for $6.99. <laughs> like, you know, and um, that is really, really hard, though. It's hard to be a raspberry. It's hard to ask the most um, that you could possibly... Um, because you have so much value in yourself and that the work that you're doing. And I think I am still navigating that as well. Like everybody else who is out there, we're, we're, we're diving into, we're using everything around us right now. Um, like, I love that you're using this platform and to, to create change, to, um, to do something new, different and be brave. And we need dollars to be able to do that. And we are, bringing a whole new world to folks. And um, I think people should definitely pay us for that. hundred percent. I mean, my this is my arena and I'm so here for the conversations and kind of like these grassroots initiatives you can really get in front of our kiddos, even adults, and um, be that influencer, be that example, that ambassador. And I'm really passionate about infiltrating the business and the economic zone because those dollars and the, the ability they have, like you, how much you see a Coca-Cola commercial or um, Rite Aid or, you know, big food, big pharma, some of these things, that's where we have to interrupt because those big messages, those big, that's what's infiltrating the mainstreams and that's what we need to get. So 
I really encourage um, you to have a consulting piece, even though it's not the passion. I think when you're coming to these com- companies, you are consulting. So unsolicited advice, take it as a grain of salt. I absolutely think if you're coming into ProZumi or some of these and they're like, I'm a brand ambassador. And if you want to sit down and talk about diversity and inclusion on a more formal level, I can give my opinion on things. It's X amount of hundred dollars. Because I'm telling you from my end, when I work with companies, they need all that. And I know you know it, but the yeah. companies, they need humans that not only walk the shoes, but are intentional about being open to having their, giving their opinion gracefully. So, cause a lot of these guys, they've got egos and they don't want to hear where they're wrong. Um, yeah. so the way doing that, but it, it's needed. And these big companies are more and more open-minded to it. So I would be shocked if I talked to you in a year from now and you weren't like, you wouldn't believe this. I've been hired more and more as consulting because yeah. tides changing, they're coming in. So yeah. There's and like- I don't want those companies to look at this and 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 make it seem as if they are not um, paying me a value. Sure. I, yes, I I think that my sponsors are paying me, um, or you know, they're as an athlete for Prolozumi. Yes, I am getting some I, um, compensation for that, of course. Um, not to mention that they just rolled out this incredible film um, with. Hi. Yeti and Deuter, uh, to, um, you know, there's a lot of, that's not cheap. (laughs) And, you know, so they are definitely supporting me and, and I would love to explore an idea of what it does look like to be more of, um, consulting and supporting, um, with DEI work. And, um, of course, just myself learning more so that I can be an, um, a support to other folks in this. So it would be, it's, it's, uh, let's talk in a year. Let's see yeah, what I do. I, I'm, I'm putting it out into universe. I just think, cause I know the company's and I, I want to be clear. I'm very much here to champion your current sponsors and the ones showing up. Um, no point of a call out to them whatsoever. Cause I think they're probably doing it the most right way. I just know there's probably going to be evolution within it. Um, and in like any position it's on us as, uh, the ambassador or voice or platform holders, to know our value and request that invoice accordingly. So I put the onus yes. more on us um, to come into yeah. it. My conversation has just been around a female around that. So it's, it's a two-sided street, but I very much champion all the supporters that you have right now showing up and being open-minded as it's for sure. Yes. Yes. And there's no, and there's no harm in calling them out either. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it isn't. I think that's what that one of the, great spaces that I'm in is this ability to be able to um, call folks out and call the people out who are even supporting me Um, and knowing that I'm with them because they can handle that, that they can handle being called out and being called in too. Yeah. Well, what's cool is if, you know, a young person or a future consumer hears this conversation and like they can see both sides and then know that that company was open to it, didn't hide it. Like they let the transparency be and then sh- highlighted how they dealt with it. I think that's, I mean, it's, I hate to put marketing to it because that's not the intention, but it's great marketing and showing the truth and how you operate. And in turn, I think that really does convert consumers. Like it's all authentic. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the front lines. I, I just think it's a powerful conversation because again, the grassroots is so important, but then on this large level, when you get into the business, you got to come equipped and know that, opportunities there we just have to show up in a certain way and request a certain amount yeah yeah i agree amazing <laughs> <laughs> well so tell me what's what's exciting i did um see on the youtube the pearls of me video i thought it was amazing you had some amazing quotes where they got the footage of you riding up the hill and um it was it, <laughs> it's gorgeously done 
tell me about some of the stuff that's coming in or things you have coming up. Um, the more bikepacking. Um, okay. so more influence rise, going far. This time, maybe going faster. Um, I'm really excited that Black Girls Do Bike Denver. We're going to be taking a group of women out bikepacking. Uh, it was just such a powerful experience for me, and it's an experience that I want to share with others. Um, you know, there is uh, there are more um, opportunities and more films coming out that I've been able to participate in the last two years um, that are still in the editing room. And I'm really excited for those to get out there to the world uh, just to see all of the different perspectives of this work. And this is going to be a really interesting one, one that I did with my mentor, Britt Greer. Um, again, um, Yeti was able to support that. Um, and I, yeah, and more riding bikes. I'm really excited about racing, uh, race season coming up. Um, I'm really getting into gravel. I want to race, 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 race my heart out. Um, it's something that is just like a new passion of mine that I found at a later age. So I'm very interested to see how I do on the race scene this season. So watch out for me. If anybody races, wave, okay. say hi. <laughs> I'll have to come out to an event. I want to be like a shredder. I want to be all these cool terms that you're throwing out there. Um, it's, it's somewhere in my Colorado soul. So maybe I'll have to dredge. I'll make Allison and Becca take me on like a beginner's run um, yes. in the mix. But that's what we, is, uh, is it in the Olympics at all? I know the um, like the small bikes or the one speeds were in the Olympics. Is any sort of gravel? Gravel. That's an question. I'm not sure if gravel is in the Olympics. I okay. mean, yeah, I have no idea, but that's really interesting. They did the, it was, I love um, gravel. Is is that what it is? Where they do like the course, and I think they're like one speed bikes. I could be oh, explaining this gravel. wrong. Okay, so I don't think anybody knows how to truly explain gravel, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> So don't feel bad. Every time I ask someone about gravel, I feel like the way they explain it is completely different. Even when I ask somebody what a gravel bike is, they are, they are get a little bit confused. Um, it's a new world. Um, when There's definitely a gravel culture, and that's actually what I'm the most excited about. Gravel culture is so different. It is so fun. Um, it hasn't been touched by a lot of the... Um, weird competitive things that are ha that happen in road cycling um it's kind of been a little bit free of that and it's been really exciting to just come in a space where no matter where you're pro or amateur or, or semi-pro you know we all like start together there's no classes um, we all are um there are a lot of people in that space who are just fun people who are fast people fun people and just killing it and doing really fun things um, on a rigid bike. So when I say a rigid bike, it just means that there's no suspension at all on these bikes. They don't look like mountain bikes. They look like a cross between um, a shitty mountain bike and a road bike. <laughs> like a BMX bike, right? Like an old school, like chick kind of bike or no? tiny you don't sit like low you 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 look like you're on a mountain bike with drop handlebars okay okay and you ride like over mountains so it's not like really a course like oh. me and my girlfriend crystal went out to um whitefish montana by the way that's a great place um and we literally rode up a mountain and then down a mountain and yeah 
and, and it was a race and it was fun and you're on these little trails and sometimes it gets gnarly and sometimes you're just on a road, um, but you get to be on dirt the whole time. It's, it's a road bike meant to be on dirt. Cool. Okay, I was, I'm going to have to like pack a plan on a microbrew and just come watch and see it firsthand to understand. Come see me up. One of the, one of the races I'm most excited about is going back to Montana to Whitefish for a race called the last best ride, uh, which is absolutely incredible. Um, almost nearly almost, well, probably at the same level, if not, um, the same as steamboat gravel. Steamboat gravel is like a big, huge gravel race. That's just, those are two of the races that I'm looking forward to this year. Okay. Come out to Steamboat. There's lots of people out there. Let's have a beer together. Cheer me on. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) On all levels. Maybe we can go on the bike. Okay. I'm I'm a solid athlete, so I think I'm a quick learn. Um, But I'm, I'm definitely, I don't know. I'm not one with the bike. Like I've been on a couple of times and I'm like, so tense and stressed out so beginners yeah we'll we'll work on that i'm really (laughs) so what is so when you go outside i know you don't go outside often when you go outside what do you do out there (laughs) well no i i do i I mean i still do i'm outdoors i have three rescue dogs so i'm outside all the time but like i'll do jogs or whatever but i'm usually doing crossfit outside that's my fitness so okay well i know that you're an athlete i just know that you do most of your athletic work inside so i was wondering when you go outside what do you do so yeah walk my dogs mostly and yeah just be in my yard and i don't know do like uh, adulting things (laughs) so i need to put more of the outdoor into my colorado life 100 percent I'm really glad you said that. I mean, I know we're running short on time here, but I did want to say one thing about the outdoors is that I'm really excited about is that people can enjoy the outdoors in whichever way they want to. And I think there's been so much emphasis on like um, folks enjoying the outdoors the way I want them to, or the way um, this company might want them to. But I just think about, all of these times I've heard um, making space for people of color to enjoy the outdoors. And I think about there, when I grew up, we were always outdoors. Yeah. Man, we yeah. had barbecues, we had music, we ran around in the park. We loved to go to the park and have a barbecue. I mean, the whole family. And that is the way we enjoyed outdoors. And I, and I do want to um, make sure that people understand that we have the opportunity to enjoy the outdoors in whatever way we want and for that to be acceptable like to enjoy the outdoors not always as a cyclist not always as an ultra runner not always in this very colorado way but also uh <laughs> with a beer and some barbecue hey yeah, that, i'm totally with you but again i think this is another conversation around um, social media and our phones and video games, like our kiddos are just growing up in a different way. But I like you, we were, I have younger brothers outdoors, building forts, running around the neighborhood, being around our neighbors. Like that was our way. We were never indoors. Um, so I completely agree with you that a, a point and, and a point well taken over here as well. <laughs> well, I had so much fun with you. Yes. Yes. Brooke, tell us, where do we, where do we find you? You want to drop your IG handle? Of course, put this in all the notes, but um, hit them with the details. All right. So you can follow me on Instagram at Brooke Gowdy, B-R-O-O-K-E, 
G-O-U-D-Y. Um, and on Facebook and all the things, it's always the same at Brooke Gowdy. I'd love for you to visit my web- website, Rowdy Gowdy. Um, I've got all the things that I'm getting rowdy about this year, next year, the year before that. (laughs) Um, So just go there, learn a little bit about me, learn a little bit about the things I'm trying to accomplish and um, click on events or um, send me a message to let me know um, how you want to get involved and to give me feedback. And um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for the coming year. I love it. Brooke, I appreciate time and energy. Check out what Brooke has going on. I can't say enough good things about um, her website, the YouTube videos that are up, the companies that are leaning in. Uh, it's amazing. And I re- I just, I appreciate the time and energy here, but I genuinely appreciate how you're showing up in this world and taking on um, the challenges that you are and the voice that you are and the platform that you are. It's, you're right on time and we need it. So I appreciate it and acknowledge it. Ah, thank you. <laughs> All right, and we'll chat again, I think, soon. Let's check in in a year. I'm curious to see how the business side grows. Um, I've got some good vibes around it. I I think think it's going to go in the right direction. Stick me on your calendar for a year from now. (laughs) Done and done. So nice meeting you. Thank you, Brooke. I appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.